Hey everybody, welcome to Conversation Piece with Patrick Armstrong. I am the titular Patrick, and this is a show where we talk about the missing pieces of the conversations we're already having. Special shout out to all our returning listeners, and a high five and hello to everyone joining us for the very first time. Thank you so much. My guest today is a lifestyle guide, helping people help themselves align and elevate their spiritual, business, and wellness lifestyles. She's also the founder of Show Lux Lifestyle Center, which was created as a center for information, resources, support, and like-minded community. She's also based right here in Indianapolis like myself. It is an honor and a privilege to welcome Jamie Holland to the show. Hey, Jamie, thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you. Yeah, I am so excited to have you here. Uh, For listeners, just a little background. Just connected with Jamie very recently. I attended a um, book release, I believe, yes. for her book, Mindful Moments. It's a guided workbook. And it was a really, really lovely event. And I really resonated with a lot of the stuff that Jamie shared. Knew that I had to have her on the podcast here. Knew that I had to explore this conversation around mindfulness. So very, very excited to have you here and be able to jump into that conversation. I'm happy to be here. Amazing. And Jamie's also joining me, not from Indianapolis, uh, (laughs) but from a library in a smaller town just outside of Indy. And so want to thank you for that privilege of your time and of your energy and your space uh, to be able to have this conversation. So I know that I introduced you a little bit, but for anybody listening who may not know who you are, do you mind sharing just a little bit more about yourself? So I'm Jamie. Um, I just... Um, I think you kind of covered it all, but (laughs) I do like to help people. Um, I like to, I like to be a guide. Like I like to show you the way, you know? Mm. Um, and outside of that, um, I just, I enjoy spending time at the libraries. So this is kind of like my jam. Um, and that's kind of it. (laughs) Well, um, I know that, I mean, I've, have not spent enough time in libraries recently. And I know that's one of the things that I want to make more of a habit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I don't know if we'll cover it today in this conversation, but I think has to do a little bit with the mindfulness that we show ourselves as we go yes. about navigating our daily lives. So um, without further ado, let's jump right into it. When I reached out to you to ask what kind of conversation that you wanted to have, you're talking about mental health in the workplace. And I want to know what part or piece of that particular conversation do you feel like we're missing right now? Um, right now, I feel like we are missing, even though it seems like it's like out there. I feel like we're missing like workplace wellness, like programs in place to actually help us. Like a lot of people, like community centers and just a lot of places, period, claim to help with mental health and mental wellness. But as far as like work goals and like dealing with people on a regular basis and just, you know, being like empathic people and just like helpful people, period. Like we kind of need like that extra protection, especially if we're going to be in the work world, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I just feel like workplaces aren't really catering to the wellness of our minds. Not really. Can you share a little bit of your experience navigating that space for yourself? And when you first noticed like, oh, these workplaces are not necessarily for me or my mental health right now. <laughs> uh, it's It's been a long time ago. So um, I have a son. His name is Hugh and he's 14. He'll be 15 this year. And 
in the beginning of my parenting journey, I would say like, I know a lot of parents have gone through it just like trying to find babysitters and just trying to work and take care of the household, you know, Mm -hmm. especially as like single people, you know? Sure. Um, And so that was when I first noticed, like the job I was working at, they just wanted me to be there just to say that we have people here. Like we didn't have Mm. anything to do. It was a holiday. Mm. And I'm like, my son really needs me, you know, and he's kind of like looking for me to be here. And I have to live in this fear of maybe not being able to pay my bills because I want to be with my family or, you know, losing my job because they don't really care. Um, Like I had a job tell me basically that it wasn't their problem, which it's not, you know, I get it. It's not their problem. However, like I need to be able to be sane. Like I need to be able to think. I need to be able to focus so that I can come in here and do what it is that you're asking me to do, you know? A hundred percent. And I feel like when people say, well, it's not my problem, generally it probably they're fueling what is causing the issue, you know, or not providing the right kind of support. Like you said, you know, you are not only taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your son. And then you have all the exterior factors of like, what, how am I paying this bill? Or how am I getting my son to where he needs to go or, or whatever appointments, how are we making sure we're making those? And if a workplace isn't providing that kind of support, then it kind of does become their problem, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that just goes to this societal viewpoint of work as being workers or cogs in this machine. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, well, we'll replace you. And it's like, well, you hired me for a reason. Exactly. And so instead of why wouldn't you invest in me instead of just churning and burning to a new person? Right. And so once you made the decision that you're like, OK, I need to do something different or I need to pivot to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. How did you start to approach that individually? And then how did that influence or guide your specific path to whatever career that you wanted to pursue next? That's a really good question. So I feel like I, I just really started to feel it. Like, this is just like, I understand like, you know, this is what we have to do, but like, I am not feeling this. Like (laughs) it makes my stomach hurt to even Mm. think about coming in here, you know, like it was making me sick. And so I'm like, there's got to be another way. Like, there has to be. I remember being at work one day and I just looked up and I was like, you know, this is not for me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like things kind of started like falling into place. So I was doing hair then mm. and not not really like other people's hair, just kind of like my mom, my sisters sure. and mine. And so I was like, maybe I'll go to cosmetology school. So I decided to go to cosmetology school. And I was working full time and going to school and we made it. Okay, let's just say we made it. (laughs) But um, that's kind of how I started to approach it. I just kind of like had to have a real conversation with myself. Like, I get that this is what we're supposed to do. However, like, how does this make you feel? And Mm. and not only that, like you're raising this this young child and like, how do you explain the workforce to him, like, do you tell him, well, just go out there and just make money, whatever you have to do for, because that doesn't feel good, you know? So I just really had to like make some, some really hard decisions, like despite what other people felt, you know? Yeah. 
And so that obviously with that realization comes like this focus, not only like, okay, I want to address my mental and physical health. Like you said, like you were physically ill having to navigate all these things. And it's like, I have to figure out how to take care of myself and then in turn, take care of my family. And then in turn, you know, find whatever that productivity or success might look like for me. Right. Is that how you made the pivot towards mindfulness specifically? Or was that just, was that another step along the journey that you were on? I think a little bit of both because once I graduated cosmetology school, I was working with natural hair Mm. and my hair is thick, like so thick. And so I'm like, you know, I got this. I can help you, you know, I can even make help, you know, make products for you. And then you can take it home and you can start your own regimen at home. So in that practice is when like I started meeting a lot of people who were like, I hate my hair. Like it's just too Mm. much. And I just don't know what to do with it. And so I'm like, there's a deeper issue here and maybe that needs to be addressed. So that's kind of what made me really like dig deeper into like mindfulness and like, just trying to be in this moment and accepting the things that are going on around me as they are and not feeling like animosity towards it, you know? Mm. So I think that was like the first moment where I noticed that this is what I have to do. That's so interesting. Do you remember, recall any specific conversations when you were doing hair specifically or like right as you were in that journey that you were, like you said, you, you kind of the generalized, like, okay, there are deeper issues here. Do you remember any specific, like, things that people were sharing that you're like, okay, I'm making a note of this as something that I should focus on later? Well, okay, so I went into cosmetology school, kind of knowing what I was doing, but a lot of people would ask for two-strand twists. And I was like, this is so easy. For one, I like to do it. It's easy money. It's quick, you know? Mm. And it just was, it was all the things. Two-strand sure. twists was my jam. Okay. And so people would come in and be like, I try to do this at home and like, it looks nothing like this. (laughs) (laughs) And so I could just hear and like feel the frustration, you know? Yeah. And maybe it wasn't like a specific conversation because a lot of the conversations kind of were the same. Sure. And that's kind of what made me notice. Mm, Sure. I I love that. And I think that it's something... That maybe a lot of us aren't quick to recognize if we don't find ourselves, one, having that feeling within our own corporate spaces or whatever workplaces that we find ourselves in. And then, two, transitioning out into like doing our own thing, you know, like because we've had we're sitting on both sides of that experience. And so we can approach it from multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. So you have these conversations. You're like, okay, there are things here that we need to be talking about that nobody seems to be talking about. When did you decide, like, I'm going to be the one that talks about them? (laughs) That's, that's a really interesting question because I was thinking about this the other day. Like, how did I get here? (laughs) Seriously. It just, I feel called, I feel led and something inside of me just makes me keep going in a certain direction. And I just almost feel like I can't stop no matter how, like frustrated I may get about the things around me that may be happening. I just feel like I can't stop. It's something in me that is, I'm called. I love that. <laughs> I, th- I love it because it's like, like you said, you know, you know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And e- even though, and that calling has probably always been there. 
Even yeah. when you were working for other people, <laughs> even when you started to work for yourself, when you're yes. in cosmetology school, right out of cosmetology school, it's like, there's this voice in your head. Yeah. Then you, it's like, I know what I'm doing right now is not necessarily what I'm supposed to be doing, yeah. but maybe I'm on the path to that. Yes. And then, and then you hear it and then you, that, like those words become articulated mm-hmm. to where you're like, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes. And so how did all of that lead into the business that you're doing now? So I feel like my business now just kind of evolved into what it is today. Definitely with a lot of patience and time and alignment, definitely. Mm. And just passion. Like I really love what I do. And I just, I just like, if something comes to me, it's like, okay, it has to, I have to get it out and I'll figure out, what medium that is that it needs to get out and then I'll get it out there. But it just, I know it may sound kind of funny, but it just won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> it do, I don't think that sounds funny at all. <laughs> yeah. So um, it just kind of evolved and I just like made a point to really like notice the things that need my attention. Sure. So uh, it definitely trying to use discernment. Um, okay. Because I'm a giver, so it's easy to just help everybody, you know. But right. in using discernment, like I have to help the people that are ready for the help, you know. Sure. Could you really quickly define discernment for anybody who may not be familiar with the term? Um, just for me, just um, like being aware and like noticing. Noticing like how I feel about certain things or people or situations and also honoring like the fact that I'm growing Mm. and that everybody's not my project anymore, you Mm. know? So just um, understanding what that feels like, what that looks like, that is discernment for me. I love that definition (laughs) because normally, and this is what I was thinking, discernment (laughs) is how you for me and how I would have defined it would be how I am taking stock of other folks or situations. Mm -hmm. And I love how you've rooted it in like self in the self, like being able to discern how this is affecting me Uh and like where my energy is going and like make and discerning like where I, what I should be doing, what kind of things do I want to invest my time and energy in? I love that. (laughs) I love that. And so I really appreciate you sharing kind of this journey, this truncated version of your journey up until this point, because I think it lays a good foundation for addressing, you know, this missing piece around mental health in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so you've talked about you individually. Can you talk a little bit about how we as individuals can approach addressing our mental health in the workplace? Um, I feel like... Just being more aware. Like, I feel like a lot of the time we just kind of go with the flow because that's like all we know, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like just being more aware, like when we start to get sick, like all of a sudden, like, where did this come from? It's not in my family. I'm a pretty healthy person, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Why do I feel like this? And um, I just, I really feel like just being more aware. I think that's great. I think awareness is key to a lot of different things. Yes. Um, not only, again, not only outside of your external environment, but mm-hmm. internally being aware, self-aware, that self-awareness. Do you have any tips um, that are in your book, in your book or your workbook that we can make sure people go and purchase <laughs> anything that you would share with our audience about how they can develop that awareness? Meditation. 
introspection. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves those really hard questions that we don't really want to know the answer to, but we kind of have to. Mm. Introspection, I will say, is number one. Like, get to the bottom of it, you know? I love that. I mean, you have I mean, you have to get to the root of these things. Yeah. I was just having a conversation about this the other day, specifically about white supremacy, but like we mm-hmm. have to if we don't understand the roots, then we'll continue to gloss over the problem exactly. and we'll and we'll only address the symptoms, not the actual thing that's exactly. causing the symptoms. It's like putting a band-aid on it. Exactly. And then you get a scab and it's like, okay, right. maybe that maybe that stops for a little bit. Yes. The bleeding stops for a little bit, mm-hmm. but then it reoccurs or it scars. Yeah. When that happens, we have to be aware of that scar. We have to know not only what that is, but mm-hmm. where that came from. And yes. if we understand where that came from, you know, we can be mindful about how we navigate that situation the next time. So hopefully we don't get scarred again. Right. So at the beginning of this, you talked about um, recognizing that workplaces do not have like programs or even just a culture in place to promote, you yeah. know, a healthy mental well-being, mental mm-hmm. health awareness, all of this stuff. Um, how do those folks, how do corporations, companies, organizations, what do they need to do to make sure they're being mindful of their employees' mental health? That's an excellent question. I feel like, I mean, maybe they could start with a survey, you know? Okay. Um, just see how people are feeling and let them know that the, it's a safe space. A lot of people, I feel like, don't feel safe at work. You 100%. Know? So 100%. just let people know, like, this is a safe space and we want to know because we actually want to help. You know, and we want to maybe they could like find some options like everything doesn't work for everybody. So, you know, they may need to find some different types of. Maybe they should like check their mental health, you know, it starts Mm. at the top, you know, it does. So like, how how am I feeling? Because if I feel this way, then the people that are working for me, they may possibly feel this way, too. A hundred percent. And I think that's a lot of the conversation around like diversity, equity, inclusion right now Mm -hmm. is that. These programs get installed and then it's on generally black women to Mm -hmm. run them by themselves with limited resources. Yes. And it's like, again, this Band-Aid to more systemic issue. And I love what you said. It starts at the top. Mm -hmm. So how do these folks, obviously, these executive leaders, people in C-suite can use introspection, can do meditation, can do these things. What other ways should they be addressing their own mental health to get at the root of these problems so they can create a healthier, safer work culture and environment. That, however, I feel like um, maybe if like the employees weren't treated as just like a number and mm. replaceable, you know, that might be a start. But I know like big corporations, they have to do what they have to do. But still, you know, like these are people, you know. Have you had anybody share like from an executive level situation ways that they have went about doing that, like how they've figured out a way to address not only their own health and mental health, but the way that they treat and interact with their employees. Um, that's a good question. I, I can't say I've had that conversation. I do observe a lot though. Okay. So in my observations, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I just, I've noticed like like a couple community centers, like just noticing like their heads and like the community people, um, like the community leaders, I guess. Mm-hmm. They put things in place 
I don't know how they are addressing their mental health in private. I do know that like a few places are put in like mental health facilities in place. Mm. But when you work for those facilities, it's not really about mental health. So it's almost like a contradiction. And okay. that makes me feel like this is how they are handling their mental health. You know, mm, not yeah. not really, but kind of, you know, kind of like putting a, a Band-Aid on it or like a, like, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's almost like, it's almost like going to church because it's the church or like a building, but like the inside is empty, you know, it's like... Sure. I hope I'm explaining that. Like it makes sense in here. I hope I hope you understand like kind of what I'm saying. No, I think I I think I get it. Let me see if I'm picking it up correctly. I think it's that it's I I think it's really interesting the example specifically in the community mm-hmm. because I think what you're saying is like people who lead some of these organizations, some of these community groups set up things for people under the guise of mental health or being supportive. Yes. And yet the actions of those organizations of of the things they set up do not reflect the mission or whatever it is that was stated. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so I think, I, I mean, that's something in itself. That's probably even a different part of this equation is when community leaders who people who find themselves in the workplaces trying to like struggling to strive and, 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 and thrive and make it, when they look to community leaders, they want to see that they're going to get that support there. And while the community leaders say parrot that they are going to, on the on the other hand, they're not necessarily backing that up. And a lot of that, I think, is tied up in like funding. And that's another Definitely. thing is that for community leaders, like I'm assuming and this is probably wrong of me, but like they've put in so much work to try and get to a position where somebody would be willing to give them money to set something up like that. Yes. And so they take that run with it. And it's great, but then there's no follow through after year one or exactly. even year two. And exactly. so that's why we see a lot of community things fail, I guess I would say. I hate to say fail, but, but you know, not yeah. do not do the things that we, we hope that they were going to do. Exactly. And so <laughs> I'm going to hype you up a little bit, uh, <laughs> especially for any organizations out there, particularly here in Indianapolis that might be listening to this. Um, I don't know if you do this kind of work, but go ahead and hire Jamie to come in and coach your people, coach your executive leadership team, coach your employees, coach yes. on these, how we can develop more mindful um, workplace culture, more mindful workplace yes. mental health practices, you know, the types of things that we need to do, because if we're not, if we're not bringing in people and then paying them for their time and service to teach us these things, we're going to continue to perpetuate, yeah. you know, the ills that we find ourselves in. Exactly. So hyping you up with that. And I, I want to ask you one more question about, we talked about, you know, individuals in the workplace, how addressing their own mental health. Mm-hmm. We've talked about executive leaders addressing their own mental health and then addressing the workplace culture. How do we as individuals, once we've like started to take those steps of addressing our mental health, how do we as coworkers, make sure that we're being mindful of our fellow coworkers' mental health in the workplace. Yes, that's a good one. That's a good one because that's a really good one. Um, Just taking the time, like if we, so I worked, and I can only speak from my experience. um, I worked in a small little environment and it was like four of us. 
And um, just like being aware of like your time and understanding that like all of us are kind of like in this same, you know, boat. Mm. So just uh, being aware that like everybody's kind of dealing with the same issues. And like, if I can help you, you know, by maybe coming in a few minutes early and just making sure like we're ready to open or, Mm -hmm. you know, like small things. It's really the small things that people look at that are like, that was really thoughtful, you know, just being more thoughtful and more kind and just understanding, like understanding that we all are here. We're all dealing with kind of like the same things, you know? Yep. I love that. I think thoughtfulness and kindness are two things that get left out of the workplace a lot. And it's because, (laughs) and I think a lot of times too, when we address those things within ourselves, like we can see like, we we can be like, okay, I've done that work. And then mm-hmm. now I'm only focused on myself exactly. when those things still ripple outwards and we can potentially create a better, safer environment. If we are, you know, extending that kindness, that gratitude, that thoughtfulness, that mindfulness mm-hmm. to our fellow coworkers. Yep. So I love that. Um, you have like really made a business out of this specific work and addressing these different areas in multiple different kinds of industries too. I love how Showlux is specifically it's not just a one-stop thing, mm-hmm. or I guess it is like a one-stop shop a little bit, but it's not just like for one group of people. It really mm-hmm. does feel open to everyone. Like you said, yes. and we're all going through similar things. Yeah. So like it should be open, like we should have resources that we can see ourselves and resonate with each other's messaging and, and things like that. And mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that specific work? And then can you talk a little bit more about Mindful Moments, the workbook that you just released not too long ago? So Show Love's Lifestyle Center is just a resource center and like a like-minded community center. It's mostly online, so it's easy to access. You know, if you need some support or some resources or you want to attend a class or you want to do a meditation, you want to start your mornings off nice. So Show Lux Lifestyle Center is just, it's mostly for like support and resources mm. and just, you know, to let people know, like, you have a space, you know, you can come if you need to talk, if you need some encouragement, you know, whatever it is, like, this is a safe space. And so mindful moments came from all of that, okay. you know, <laughs> just being more mindful. And me as a guide, um, I really enjoy the guided workbooks because I feel like me um, like as far as helping people help themselves, it's like the perfect, it's got worksheets, it's got like other resources, it's got a couple QR codes for you to, to take you to a different place. Um, it's even got some extra like printable worksheets that you can print off and use later for extra. But I just feel like this is, I feel like the guides are perfect for helping people like You can go um, like at your own pace, Mm. you know? Yeah. And the way Mindful Moments was created was so that you can read it from cover to cover or you can just kind of open it up and whatever costs you that day, (laughs) you can just start with that. But one of my favorite parts of the book is practicing gratitude because there's always like just... We feel like there's always so much going on around us. Like for me, practicing gratitude gets me in a space where I can just 
see the the good things, the little things, you know, the things mm-hmm. that I am not really noticing because you know, maybe something else I feel like is more important or bigger, you know, when essentially all these things are bringing us to wherever it is we're supposed to be, whether it's good or bad or good, bad, big, small, like, (laughs) you know, like, like you said, and it's sometimes we miss those little things. And when we get caught up, especially in like an emotional response to something, like we get hung up on anger, we get hung up on frustration or grief, you Uh know, and we can miss the opportunity to be grateful or to even just be mindful and, and, and think about like the small thing that brought us joy, like, yeah. like just something that you're like your son does, you know, just offhand, like that. You, it's just like, I just made me really happy or something like your partner yeah. does, whatever it might be. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different things. And I really love that. One of the things that I really enjoy about the workbook specifically is that it feels very, and I think you just, I think you just described this, but feels very empowering to the reader. Like the person that holds this in their hands, yes. they are, it's not that you are telling them what to do. It's like, here is something that you can work with, work on, and, yes. you, and, and you have the power to do so whenever yes. you want to do it. Yeah, that's exactly the idea. I, lo- I mean, I think that you have got it across very clearly. I love it because I feel like that's when I was at the event, I felt like that's what I got from the conversations that were had. And then mm-hmm. when I was working through the workbook myself, it's like, OK, this it feels like this is for me. Like, yes. it's not necessarily Jamie saying, hey, this is my book here. Here it is. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you right. for reading. It's it felt like it was it was almost collaborative in a way. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Integrative. So Integrative. Yes. Love that. Integrative. <laughs> I like that. Um, so one of the things that I've really loved about this conversation is just how not only you've like developed your learning style individually, but how you've translated that into becoming a leader, becoming a teacher, educator, whatever it might be, a, a lifestyle guide, a workbook, a workshop facilitator, you know, you're doing a lot of things where you provide and share knowledge and education with folks. Who are you learning from right now? Right now? That's a good question. Um, right now, I'm really like learning from my um, my younger child, my inner child. Oh, okay. Um, because I feel like... I feel like we all can learn a lot from our inner child. You know, for one, children are needy, you know? So what is it that I need, you know? Yeah. Um, That maybe I haven't received or maybe at this stage and age in my life, I am able to provide, you know, that feels good to me. Um, That's one person I feel like, because I need to know, I, I feel like, if my cup is full, then I have it to give to somebody else. But if mm. my cup is empty, I just don't have it to give. Right. So I've really been trying to get more in tune. And another person or people that I feel like I'm learning from right now are community leaders. <laughs> just in general. Just just the community leaders. They are interesting. And... um they are interesting. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I I love learning from community leaders 100%. I'm trying to do a lot more of that right now here in Indianapolis. Yes. I really love your answer about your inner child, learning from your inner child. That might be the best answer I've got to this question since I started doing this podcast. So nice. I'd say it's one of definitely the most unique answer. And I, I don't know. I 
I never know what to expect when I ask because people like there's so many people to learn from. And I'm yes. just I'm selfishly, I'm like, I want to learn from these people, too. So right. tell me who I need to learn from and then right. I'm going to go out and do it. So um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love that. That's amazing. Um, Jamie, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, my first conversation, I'll just lay this on you now. My first conversation with someone locally here, and I'm planning to do more of these conversations uh, locally in Indianapolis, finding the folks who are doing things in all different industries and who are addressing these missing pieces of all these different conversations that we're having. So I really appreciate, again, you giving me the time and privilege to have this conversation with you. And as we get ready to close it out, um, we talked about show lux and we talked about mindful moments. What are the best ways to support you right now going forward? Right now, um, just check out the website. Like, I'm sure you'll find something that, you know, may, you may find interesting. It's a lot of reading material. So, you know, when you're chilling, if you just want to, you know, just go check out the website. Amazing. Well, yeah. we will have the website linked right here in the show notes. So you'll be able to check that out. You'll also be able to go pick up a copy of Mindful Moments. Yes. If you want to pick up a copy of that, yes. we'll have that linked in the show notes as well. Um, Jamie, again, I cannot thank you enough for sitting down to, to have this conversation. Uh, it was, I literally walked up to her at her signing table to, when I had a copy of this, I'm like, Hey, I host a podcast. Would you be interested? And she said yes immediately. And again, like I said at the top, like really resonated with this message of mindfulness, something that I've been thinking about a lot as I not only do my own individual work, but think about how I want to navigate the community, how I want to be involved in the community and not just mine, but all of the different ones that make up Indianapolis, that make up Indiana, that make up the society that we live in. Yeah. So I really, really appreciate it again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It is a pleasure. And we'll definitely have you back when more workbooks come out or when new updates <laughs> come out. So we will definitely be bringing you back on the show. For everybody else who's out there listening, you can find, again, all the links to everything that we just talked about here in the show notes. You can also find us on Instagram at Conversation Podpiece. And if you feel inclined to leave a rating or review for our podcast on whatever player you're listening to this on right now, we would greatly appreciate it. Lastly, if you're ever interested in supporting the show in the future in any way, feel free to hop in our DMs or visit our website, Conversation Podpiece. Uh oh. Or visit our website, ConversationPeacePod.com. Until next time. I'm Patrick Armstrong, and this has been Conversation Peace. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you.